Okay, so I'm going to tell you guys a story. Around 3 million years ago, maybe as far back as 10 to 12 million years ago, the geologic verdict is still out. A plucky little isthmus arose from the Caribbean, creating a land bridge between North and South America. This was a game changer. Ocean currents shifted dramatically. Tropical marine organisms could no longer pass freely between the Atlantic and Pacific. And all the plants and animals of North and South America were free to head North and South in what we now call the Great American Biotic Interchange. Then a little over a century from then, we decided to undo it, sort of. You've heard of the palindrome, a man, a plan, a canal, Panama. The man in this case is Ferdinand de Lesseps, also kind of a big deal. You ever heard of the Statue of Liberty? Well, he's the guy who formally presented it to the U.S. as a gift from France. But his real passion was coordinating canals. When the world decided it had enough of sailing all the way through the Mediterranean and around Africa just to get to Asia, he coordinated and developed the Suez Canal, which cuts through Egypt right at sea level and saves ships about 7,000 miles worth of extra sailing. It's 120.11 miles long, and it took 10 years to dig. Both numbers that will become uh, painfully relevant in a few minutes. At this point, Monsieur Lesseps was feeling pretty good about himself and humanity's ability to conquer nature through determination, steam power, and the grit of the working man. So he set his sights at the next big canal challenge for the world, the Americas. A trip from New York City to San Francisco using the Oregon Trail was only 3,000 miles, but at the time took three to seven months and was super risky because of all the reasons you remember from the game. The non-canal sailing route had to go around Cape Horn at the southern tip of South America resulting in a trip of 15,000 miles, taking four to eight months, and again in very treacherous waters. But a canal in Central America would make the same trip in about 7,000 miles and only take two to three months. So it was generally agreed upon that an American canal was necessary. The first big question, however, was where exactly to dig. There had been multiple expeditions before this point from multiple nations, some of which went astoundingly poorly, and more mounted still. And eventually there was enough information for a conference. Lesseps held this conference in Paris, where various locations and types of canals were argued for. But Lesseps was really only interested in a sea-level canal through Panama, literally through mountains and in spite of the Chagres River being in the way, which couldn't be used as part of the route because it dries up during the dry months and floods during the wet. The American delegates liked the idea of a canal in Nicaragua. Being further north meant bugs and diseases wouldn't be as bad for the workers, and there was a big inland lake that could be used, plus rivers that could be made navigable, so at the end of the day, the length of a new canal would have to be dug was about the same as the width of the Panamanian Isthmus. Another presenter at the conference, and this is where my friend's pronunciation is going to fail me, Lepinay Nicolas Joseph Adolphe, the Baron de Brusley, an aristocrat and actual engineer, which Lesseps was not, put forth his ideal scenario for a Panamanian canal, one that would have saved the lives of many workers had he not been completely ignored. He proposed the damming of the Chagres and Gatun rivers to create an artificial lake in the center of Panama with water flowing out into both the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. Since the lake would be above sea level, locks would be used on both ends to transport ships up and down. As you're about to learn, this is in essence what ended up actually happening. But first, we had to attempt Ferdinand's disastrous plan. After all the committees had met, Ferdinand proudly announced that the votes had been cast and the plan would move ahead to construct a sea-level canal from Limon Bay off the Atlantic to Panama Bay off the Pacific. Basically what he'd wanted all along. And everybody loved it, because Ferdinand's superpower was just being that damn likable in everything he did. Once his people negotiated a treaty with Colombia, of which Panama was then a province, digging began on January 1st, 1881. 33 years later, after a revolution, a new treaty, an American takeover, 
and the deaths of over 27,600 workers, there was a completed canal in Panama. Oh boy, it's Encyclopedia Brunch. Special Wonders Edition. My name is Tim Dobbs. With me, as ever, through the internet, is Catherine Kogart. Hey! Hey! I'm sorry. Was that my line? That was your line. Your line was, hey. All right, let's go back. Uh, Take it from the top. Catherine Kogart. (laughs) Hi. It's good to be here. And there was a third voice uh, that you may have noticed on this very podcast. (laughs) Or a first voice if we're going in order, right? I mean... Uh, well, I don't know. Do you want to list it alphabetically or like in order if of appearance? We're doing cast in order of appearance, the first one on the roll sheet <laughs> would be. Well, my okay, my contract. All right, so listed in order of appearance. Okay. Uh, Ryan uh-huh. Haupt of the Science Sort of Podcast and the Brackey Lope Media Network, Tim Dobbs, and featuring Catherine Kogert because your contract included that. Featuring. Featuring. Am mm-hmm. I not like a real cast member? No, I think the featuring is like a good one. It's like this person's very important. Oh, okay. Can I, I would rather have an EP credit if that's okay. No. Listen, I got to play hardball with you on this one. All you get is a featuring. And I'll knock it's that down just to a vanity credit. I will knock that down to an and later. Well, I will walk. Who else are you going to get to do a podcast with you? Well, I'll call Ryan Haupt Anybody? of the Brackey Love Media Network. <laughs> We're doing a terrible job at expressing our gratefulness for him uh, researching and writing that great essay for us on the Panama Canal, uh, which is our very topic. Yeah, that's fantastic. This week. Absolutely. Um, so Ryan uh, did a bunch of research and spent a bunch of time down there in Panama. And uh, that's why he was able to write us uh, such an interesting, in-depth introduction to the introductory episode to our forthcoming series uh engineered wonders that's what we're calling this right yeah i think so yeah or marvels of engineering just like human endeavors that are really impressive and make you go whoa yeah but that's kind of an unwieldy unwieldy title don't you think human endeavors that are i think there's enough vowels and consonants in there i think we can get something um we'll we'll, we'll, we'll sketch it out <laughs> are we doing like a Saturday, a sunday morning jumble <laughs> <laughs> we're always doing the jumble the answer was urinals again how did that happen Oh, all right. see, that one. see our episode on urinals. Um, <laughs> anywho. Uh, you know, eventually the show is just going to be see our episode on <laughs> in just a series of. Sure, we'll change the name again to see our episode on. <laughs> so uh, let's see. We're talking about the Panama Canal. Um, and we learned a little bit about how it was built just then. Um, I think the thing that stuck out to me most in in all of that and learning about the panama canal's construction is one it was not always there obviously um okay yeah but two the the degree to which we really really wanted it to happen because as i mean as you heard in the essay like it was like all right we just got to keep trying like um and there were many different uh attempts the the french made an attempt for a while and I think I read 22,000 people died in the construction of that attempt and it didn't work out. You know, I thought was really interesting was like this idea came up as early as the 1500s. Spain mm. was like, you know, it would be really cool if we didn't have to go all the way around the Cape. Could we just like dig through this really thin part 
of the Americas it's, or the New World, rather. It, it's crazy thin, too. Like I, I think crazy. I, yeah, it is not that surprising to me because I think I would have the exact same impulse. Like it's like um. Oh, I don't know. Like when you have to carry stuff from the car to the door and there's like a little more than you can really carry in one trip, but you're just kind of like, what if I just stack it? Like, okay, that's actually probably not going to work out for you really, but like... That's how you break all your eggs. But it's so close, Catherine. And and I, you know what we did? We broke a few eggs mm-hmm. to make an omelet. <laughs> We're in eggs. Uh, each egg represents uh, tens of thousands of lives. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, um, so sad. So sad. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think I think that makes sense. And then I think the other thing that drives that, besides like the just basic impulse of like, well, I gotta go all the way over there. Couldn't we just go around? Ah, oh, come on. Um, <laughs> I think there's also the incredible like order of magnitude difference in the effort it takes to move something across something floating in water and carry something mm-hmm. over land. Land is the worst. Land is just such a jerk. What with its solid state of matter. And it's so unpredictable. It's always doing different stuff. Yeah. Oh, I didn't mean to make you sad. Um, wait, wait a minute. Are you saying land is unpredictable? You know what's unpredictable? The ocean. Uh, in some ways. I guess. Are you talking about like earthquakes? Like, what do you mean unpredictable stuff? In that, like, uh, okay. So the Panama Canal has to. It traverses. Uh, a mountain, a swamp, and several lakes, which I guess are sort of like water. Um, but th- there's a lot to consider as you're trying to go over each of those things. So you have to carry something heavy across all of those things. Uh, you don't really have to worry about that as much with water. Water, it's more like sharks, mermaids, Loch Ness monsters, um, I guess sea nest monsters, and uh, and storms. So I'm not. Listen, I'm with you. <laughs> and, and you know what else? There be dragons. Sure, that's what else. Uh, I mean the sea. Sure, the sea is is a harsh mistress, absolutely. But it's just that like it's all time dependent, I guess, instead of geography dependent. Like if you're going on a trip and you can be sure that there won't be any storms, all right, we just need a boat that gets across this kind of water. There's no like crazy mountain water. Okay, fair. There's no crazy mountain water. Okay, okay. So. Ocean is temporally unpredictable, whereas land is spatially unpredictable if you don't have a map. Yes. It's a lot like... uh, uh, I'm so glad we've come to a place of agreement on this. All right. Yeah. Maybe it is time to move on from uh, this particular little enclave (laughs) of of facts. Um, Facts and quotes. Let's be clear. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Well, so beyond that, the other thing that struck me is... um, so the French didn't get uh they didn't oh, so the Spanish didn't end up building anything although apparently the US argued that they should they're like come on guys just do it um and then the French didn't end up getting it going and then finally the US was like we really got to get this thing like we have interest in the Pacific now there's a California gold rush here in 1849 um they're, I'm just like my hungry wait I'm just like my country I'm young scrappy and hungry <laughs> I'm just like my hungry i'm just like my hungry i like to eat it country fried chicken (laughs) (laughs) woof hamilton that's from hamilton all right see the show notes uh see our episode on musicals um ah please do 
So, so the you know the story of the 19th century in the U.S. is uh you know manifest destiny uh becoming manifest past uh yep it happened we got to the Pacific Ocean the ghost of manifest past <laughs> and you will be visited by three manifests this evening the ghost of manifest past the ghost of manifest destiny and the ghost of this ghost ship's of manifest, manifest. <laughs> the ghost of Mark's manifesto uh. Yeah, the- Sure. Uh, the, the it's a real communist like, ghost. With the red scare in the fifties, the ghost of Marx man of the communist manifesto. Well, it's the nineteen fifties. We're still ta- uh, we're still in eighteen forty nine. And there's a fourth wood to the streetlight manifesto. <laughs> oh man, dear Sergio, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, so. Uh, so we, we, we'd come to this point where we had interest on both the East Coast and the West Coast and no good way around because the Northwest Passage didn't really pan out. This whole uh, Cape. Oh, gosh. Uh, now I'm forgetting which Cape it is. Is it Cape Horn or Cape of Good Hope? Or Cape Horn. Thank you. Cape of Good Hope is in Africa. Ugh, southern yeah. countries that we have well, to sail around. Two key capes. There's like Cape. Uh, why do I never remember the name? It's in my own state. There's a Cape here in my state and it's beautiful. And I always think it's Cape Depression, but that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> well it's on the olympic peninsula it probably rains a lot um <laughs> because it's always raining but oh my goodness let me tell you it is beautiful that's great that's really great and the best way to get to that because uh all that we would have had was uh what mexican sailors sailing up and exploring the west coast for a long time and we wanted uh american trade ships and stuff to get over there the best way to do that yeah. would have been a canal through the isthmus of panama and the way that we uh, attempted to do that was basically by putting a ton of... Uh, you know what? It's Cape Disappointment here in Washington State. never going to get through this I'm section. I'm sorry, were you trying to get through something? <laughs> uh, <laughs> believe it or not, yes. But that yes. makes sense I associate it with Cape Depression. I'm just saying it makes sense. And this is like the third time I've had this conversation with you on the podcast, which means I can do both sides now, so don't worry about it. You just sit over there. You just sit pretty. And I'll take care I'll of it right from back here. In a moment. back on encyclopedia brunch talking about the panama canal um so i was starting to say uh before the cape of good distraction uh totally took us over (laughs) um the u.s uh essentially put a lot of political pressure on Colombia, as ryan mentioned um to basically be like, you guys got to build this canal like right now. And uh, the idea was to, okay, we're going to sign this agreement where we pay you a certain amount so that like we can like have some say Two over million. how this is built. Yeah. Two million a year? Was that what it was? Ten million. Ten, Ten million. Ten million total. Yeah. And I think some additional sum. Yeah. Uh, an annual payment, but it, uh, I don't know what the annual payment was. Um, and the, the U.S. was on board. The, the Senate was like, OK, cool. This seems like it, it, it approves. It, it makes sense for our interests abroad uh, and at home, right. uh, which is interesting because it's not really a thing you see the Senate doing these days. It's like, what if we built a crazy thing somewhere? Um, however, the Senate of Colombia did not ratify it. They're like, no, nah, I don't think so. Uh, and this uh, this led oh, it's 40 million. 
40 million uh 10 what? million annual payment that's what it was a lot of yeah. money especially uh especially at the turn of the century so uh this led roosevelt uh who was our president at the time to be like I, you know what maybe we should support those rebels in panama who are talking about independence like you know what after considering it the panamanian people need to be free um and I mean, so begins another chapter in this giant book of nonsense that the U.S. has involved itself in future and making a bunch of future enemies. But here's what's interesting. This is like this is kind of the beginning of that. This is the beginning of American imperialism. And it's not that surprising that it's often driven by economic reasons. Is that like, you know, like a ah, nice, nice island. Uh, be a shame if someone took it. Hey, uh, that's an interesting isthmus he got there. Maybe uh, maybe some guys could come by and uh, maybe make a little bit of a thing. <laughs> but, so, yeah, so the U.S. had this, like, really vested interest in supporting the Panamanian revolt. And then, uh, like, we were one of the first countries to recognize them when they declared independence. We were like, oh, that's totally a country. And then uh, they their Senate went ahead and ratified this idea. So that, that is how we ended up with the Panama Canal Zone, where we went ahead and built it. And uh, then had a say in its governance for many years. Yeah, so. <laughs> and this this might just be the beginning of the dark side of the Panama Canal. Perhaps some <laughs> other bad things happened, Catherine. So, I mean, okay. Without a doubt, Panama Canal, I think, is a huge asset. Like, nobody can dispute. It's really valuable to have a real quick way to get through the basically the center of the world. Yeah. <laughs> like in that uh, Jules Verne book. Absolutely. <laughs> basically, yeah, it's very Jules Vernean in, <laughs> <laughs> in tone, the whole Panama Canal thing, which makes sense because it's turn of the century, 19, early 1900s. That's when Jules Verne is writing his books. And like, maybe there's some crossover there who can know i mean the the tone of that time is very clear i think sure we can do anything with steam and sending many men to their death the two of those steam oh, and poor immigrants boy. that's all thousands, we need thousands of people most of them not white most of them in fact black the sense of black slaves because this is part of because the south so south america was yet another nexus of black slavery because it's a great place to have a plantation if you're Spanish and have like a big plantation there, well, see, see our episode on uh, Christiansted Saint Croix. Uh, yeah, it's true. Many of the many of the Caribbean islands uh, and Caribbean facing countries just were like really great places to grow sugarcane, uh, which really fed right into that whole triangle trade. So yes, yeah. So you have countries like Brazil, for example. I, I mentioned Brazil because I've been there. Um, who are in fact very proud. Ooh, let me mention a country I've been to. Uh, okay. Uh, Korea. I went to Korea once. That's unhelpful right now. <laughs> <laughs> so diversity, you say. So you go to a country like Brazil, and they're very proud of the diversity that they've been able to maintain there in relative peace. Like there's three different people. There's native peoples. There's people who are descendants of African slaves, and there's people who are defense who are descendants of the Spanish people who enslaved those black people and then killed the natives. And they all have found a way to live in relative peace. It's impressive. <laughs> I mean, in like some vague kind of semi equality. <laughs> did you have a sense? And and uh, it's okay if if you don't feel uh, qualified to answer this, but did you have a sense of of what the sort of um, I don't know, like the 
I guess I would say here in the U.S., like, yo, racism is alive. Like, uh, there's, uh, we still have some issues to work out. Did you have a sense that they felt that way as well? Or, you know, I went to Brazil, um, in 2000, let's say like 2006, 2007. Probably better by now. Oh no, excuse me. Like 2009 (laughs) about I went to Brazil. Um, so like I, I, I bring that up because it's really before black lives matter was really an issue or before us realizing once again, racism still very much alive. Like I, I feel like I was not really aware of racism as a national conversation in 2009. Wow. Um, right, and yeah. I think, I think that was a, a national or an international mood. Um, a lot of countries feel like, well, okay, we we really worked through a lot of the things with racism and yeah, there's still inequality in the world, but really that's economic inequality. <laughs> mm, classic scapegoat. Uh. And I think Brazil is going through some of the same realizations that racism is still alive. It's been systemic systemic. Um, and it, that is, and it's become inexorably linked to economic inequality. And I think Brazil is kind of going through that right now. Um, what do you know about Panama? <laughs> I know a lot of people died building that canal and I know that Panama, like I realized they got $40 million, but like <laughs> they really should have gotten a lot more I mean, because they got $40 million. Do you know what they got in exchange for? For a like, hundred years of nobody making any money <laughs> off of, off of that canal. No Panamaian people making a cent off of that canal. <laughs> Is that right? So I, I don't know entirely the terms of the agreement between the U.S. and uh, the Panamanian government. Uh, can you enlighten me on that? Like, why didn't they make any money? I mean, they got because they got the U.S. The... owned it because they paid for it. Forty okay. million dollars. And as it's my... like Hong Kong and England type of thing. Well, no, it's a little different, but uh, I mean, it, yeah, sure. Because it, it is not the ninety-nine year lease, you know that that whole thing was. Uh, my understanding was that it was a sort of infinitely renewable, yeah, lease. I guess um, it's it's a lease, though. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like my uh, well, okay. So they made some money, right? Because if the UN, U.S. kept paying rent on it, unless the agreement changed my at some point, is they they paid the forty million dollars, and then that was kind of that. And then Jimmy Carter was like you know what? You guys can have your canal back, I think. And everyone was so mad at him. Were they? Okay, so, okay. Yeah, so actually, there was a lot of backlash against Jimmy Carter for, oh, he took away our canal, especially during re-elections. Mm, I really like that canal. It really tied the countries together. Um, <laughs> I mean, it literally divided them. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> it, it inverse tied the countries together. Whatever. Like, negative space is a, is a meaningful way to design things. Um, Oh, fair. <laughs> okay, wait. So, 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 flash forward here. So, we, uh, we finish, uh, the canal is built in, let's see, 1913 when <laughs> President Woodrow Wilson sent a signal from the White House by telegraph to trigger an explosion that destroyed the Gamboa Dyke, thus, uh, flooding the Culebra Cut and connecting the two via water, which is, it's, it's a bit grandiose, I think. I mean, I get it. It was a, a crazy canal. Bit. But like... You know, the thing about Woodrow Wilson, I think, is that he was very grandiose. <laughs> is that his thing? Just as a guy, this is my impression of him. I mean, he's the guy who did World War II peace talks as well. I mean, you one. need a grandiose what? guy in charge, right? <laughs> no, World War I. What do you... Oh, excuse me, World War One. 
Thank you. Right. I think he was. Thank the, you. I believe he was the UN guy as well. Um, and I well, think that makes so much sense now, doesn't it? As I recall, he was the dean of Princeton for a while. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's fine. I just like. I have bad I vibes around fine. that time for our country. I just don't oh, think it was like the best well. time. The interwar years, real awkward, real awkward for all of us. Awkward teens. Here's the thing. I feel like blowing up a blowing up a dike via a, a crazy electrical signal sent from thousands of miles away. Pretty cool. When that's used as a symbol of American imperialism, I'm less cool with it. Ah, um. uh, yeah. Well. Uh. Anywho, so uh, Mr. Wilson, you know what's weird? My brain is going straight to the time that um, I believe Mark Zuckerberg r- rang the the stock market opening bell because Facebook was going public. Uh, That's what I'm going straight to right now. Yeah, it's <laughs> just I, like weird shows of power from weird people. <laughs> maybe that's just what I don't need. I yeah. I, I, <laughs> uh, maybe if it, I don't know, like. It's not. A, I don't know who could have run the ran the telegraph that would have made me happy. Uh, a chicken, like a tic tac toe playing chicken. <laughs> oh, fun! <laughs> As it pecks the winning square. See? Okay, okay. So it's it's a weird show of power of the force of absurdism. I think that's what you're really drawn to here. Mm, absolutely. I think we should all respect how crazy <laughs> and uh, powerful the world's craziness is. <laughs> Anywho, um, so that was in 1913, and the first shift passed through in 1914, and then 60, 65 years later, uh, uh, Mr. Carter, President Carter, is um, President Carter gives away this great canal we worked so hard for. What, what, like, why? What do you know? Like, what was the the thought process? Or yeah, um, so. I mean, South America, so a lot of governments being overthrown. <laughs> sure. So they find they find themselves embroiled in all these different crazy conflicts in Panama. Um, and the other side, it's, so from why, how I understand it, the side, the other side basically wins. And then they find themselves having to negotiate with this newly formed hostile government in Panama. And they're like, okay, okay, you can have the Panama Canal because like, let's, let's just not worry about it <laughs> anymore. Um, you know, if you, you know, I keep going to breakups <laughs> right now and it's like, let's say, <laughs> let's say there's a piece of furniture that you're not really that crazy about mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and your partner is like, I would really, or your ex-partner now is like, I want that mm-hmm. furniture. You're like, okay, freaking fine. Okay, fine. Take it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or like, that's happened to me once. Um, well, I want all of these hangers. Okay. I don't I don't use a lot of hangers. Go for it. Sure. Yeah. No, I see I see behind me. Those those hangers were kind uh, of since you recorded in your closet. I see that you're actually not using a hanger to hang up your backpack, but some sort of weird hook thing. I, I, that's confusing. Why would I use a clothes hanger to hang a backpack? <laughs> you know what? Cuz there cuz you have a million of them. I mean, if you in the general purpose you. I'm I mean, not obviously you've lost all your hangers We'll now. be back in a moment. An encyclopedia brunch. And we're back on Encyclopedia Brunch talking about the Panama Canal. So, Tim. Yes, Catherine. 
so let's say let's say that you are carving uh, a new a new pathway through our our planet's waterways uh, uh-huh. by force. Sure. Um, As I do. How many people would you guess would die during doing that? Uh, let's see. Do I have any regard for human life in this theoretical or? Oh, of course not. You're an imperialist country. <laughs> oh, then like, whatever. I think, uh, I think, I mean, so like nowadays, you know, we have tools for this. Um, but I think, uh, maybe I'll just get some dudes with pickaxes and whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. 50 guys. Yeah. Cause, cause they're, they're. Frankly, they are uh, uh, un- not respected. They're from a race that is not respected in our society anyway. And the people who are in charge of building it are not even from this country. So they have no invested interest in the community locally. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, hang on. What do you mean by that? Uh, the people who are in charge of building it? The U.S. is in charge of building it. Oh, uh, not from the so country. They have no local interest in maintaining community ties. <laughs> oh, but a lot of the labor was not Panamanian, right? Wasn't a lot of it uh, imported? Oh, oh yeah, no. Well, Caribbean ancestors. <laughs> uh, I mean, can you clarify that? Uh, you just mean like a lot of black people from the U.S. went down, or do you mean like uh, the Caribbean as a whole, like brought people in? Or uh, frankly, it looks like black people from all over South America and the Caribbean <laughs> came down because they're like, here's a couple bucks for a hard days of work, a day of hard labor. And also probably some French people left over. I mean, uh, you know, possibly black French people, um, like North French African people. French people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they had uh, they, they had attempted to build canals for so long. I, I mean, it's sort of... Well, okay. So guess. I'm asking you to guess. Oh, I said how like, many? I think 50 how is... How many deaths? 50 is a lot of people to die. Like, if I was working on any project and like right. 50 people died, like, that's unheard of, right? Like, if I was doing some like, oh, we got to build a, you know, whatever... Um, I don't know, a building, 50 people, they would call it the death project. They would, no one would be hiring right. me again. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't try, apply for work uh, again. 550 times that. Okay, uh, I'm not really good at math. Um, Estimated cost of 27,609 people. Oh my God. So I was trying to look up earlier uh, comparative death tolls, and very quickly that became so depressing that I did not continue. Um, but it's a lot of people, right? It's a great deal of people. What were they dying from? It's like a war's worth of people. Like it's an not. early war. An early war, yeah. No, it is. Yeah, it's a pre-World War One yes. war's worth of people. That's more, yeah. I, because some of the death tolls I looked at were later wars, and I was like, oh, war is terrible. Oh, that's sad. That's real sad. That's real sad. Um, uh- <laughs> so, uh, why, why were they all dying? I mean, you know, there wasn't a war on. Yeah, um, rock slides, uh, explosions that they just didn't really get the word out that they were going to do an explosion on this big boulder. <laughs> just like poor communication, basically. Here's the thing. Uh, this land, as we talked about earlier, land is unpredictable. Um, mm-hmm. This land did not want this built because, no. one, it's no, no, swampy. No, no. That's bad for digging at all because so they kept widening out the the ditch more and more because they just kept having rock slides that they had just sheer cliffs also mm-hmm. it's swampy and it's the tropics and so there's so many mosquitoes carrying so many poisonous terrible uh tropical diseases and then and, okay so human cost <laughs> it's huge like mm-hmm. i think we can agree however I just want to say, like, we're not even taking into account the ecological cost of an, an endeavor like this. 
Because if you're building a canal, you know what you're going to go through if you have the opportunity? A body of water. And you know what you're going to totally screw over if you build your canal through that? A body of water. <laughs> uh, tell me more. Okay. Um, so I think this is a really good time to segue into basically a modern version of this Panama Canal. So really briefly, the Panama Canal, it's like extremely overtaxed. It's an extremely polluted waterway. Nothing can really survive in there right now. It's it's like half sludge is my impression of the Panama Canal. It's really gross. Well, sure. I mean, they got a lot of they got to put a lot of uh, boats through. I mean, they're building a third set a of locks of because it's just like it's yeah. it's gridlock inside canals. It's it's Panama gridlock. <laughs> it's Panama like a board game. <laughs> mm. I guess I would play that. Uh, <laughs> but um so because of this, they're thinking like, well, let's build a second thoroughfare. And the idea is to build that through Nicaragua. And rather than the U.S. funding that, it's actually China who has put down the money for it. Mm. Um, and it's a huge controversy because, first of all, it's a much longer canal because the land is much thicker through Nicaragua. Um, and so they want to build it through a lake. And this lake not only houses like very rare species, uh, we haven't even cataloged yet as being insects, like insects we're not even aware of. Um, amazing ecological niches that are nowhere else in the world are there. Amazing fish populations that are going to get totally screwed. But also native peoples live down there. Like there's several villages of like 400 or 500 people who are scattered around this lake um, who depend on the lake and they would completely be displaced by this canal. And it's extremely sad to think about well, we're just going to totally just barrel through there because we're China and we can do that. And we're the U.S. of the modern era. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's not a perfect analogy, but OK. Uh, point taken. Um, OK, so canals are the worst then. We should just shut it all down. Right. It's it's complicated. Tell you know me how about many it. Things have gotten to you much faster because of the Panama Canal. Ten. I'm going to stick with 50. That seems like a, that guess has been working out for me. I just, it's complicated. Well, so, um, so, so what I, well, here's what I'm, Catherine, I'm trying to ask you. Uh, it's clear that this is, this is alarming. Like, we've all agreed that there were a lot of bad things in building it. There are a lot of bad things now. However, I don't think your opinion is that we should shut down the canal. And I'm trying to ask uh, why that might be. Like, what, how do you feel about the positive sides? <sighs> I get, I, so in our oil drilling episodes, our episode on oil drilling, um, we came to this sort of complicated question, which I think is going to be the through line for this whole series, which is, what are you willing to sacrifice for the wheels of progress to keep turning? Mm -hmm. um, and I think we each need to answer that question for ourselves. And you can't just answer it off the cuff and say like, well, no, I mean, human life is invaluable and we can't sacrifice it at any cost because like, how are you going to get your hair dryer from China? We got to have cheap hair dryers. Um, got to have, like, you're going to say that. And then the next day you buy something from Payless <laughs> that came through the Panama Canal. Well, and, and um, beyond any of that, like, I, I think it's easy to be flippant about hair dryers. Um, but, like, there's also food and energy concerns. There's things that are, the wheels of progress have made it so that we haven't had a famine in like the past however long um you know we we would have had famines multiple times over over these past hundred or so years as the population has exploded but then we create technical solu technological solutions to 
make that not happen. And, right. you know, one thought I always have is, uh, well, okay, maybe the world can't really support this many people and it's artificial that we were just like drilling through things. We're creating uh, artificial fertilizers. We're creating new strains of things. We're drilling for oil in ways that are not really like all these things that help us support ourselves. However, it's hard to justify being like, well, I guess we'll just have a famine. You know, guess half the population of the world is going to die. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's hard. It's really, really hard. Because nature is going to keep giving us, It's nature is going to keep serving us big old shitstorms. Sure. Nature, so, nature is what? a Tetris game. When, when you keep doing better and better, the game just gets harder. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, these blocks are falling so fast. Oh, God, I have to juggle economic inequality and natural reserves and <laughs> globalism. Yeah. 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 It's a, like, I and this is a, this is a question I don't have the answer to, but it's, a, like, I guess this is kind of what I want to do with this series is to ask anybody who's listening, like, what are you willing to sacrifice for progress? I don't know the answer to that question. I, think I don't it, know what I'm willing to sacrifice for progress. I think it's a real question um, that requires a nuanced answer, uh, which we may or may not get to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know us. <laughs> uh, so look forward to that. We're going to be doing a, a couple more of these episodes. How many do we have slated right now? A bunch. We got a bunch slated. Uh, um, so this yeah. is this is our series on uh, Engineered Wonders. Um we might not be so mad about all of them. Um, canals, I think crazy. some of these are really exciting. I think the Panama Canal <laughs> was really are, exciting. I think are just out it, and out exciting. Yeah, it's, it's you're right. The Panama Canal is not out and out and exciting. Um, I think I think we'll include in the show notes too, just as, as to further uh, put some numbers to the value of the Panama Canal, and then like oh, cheap hair dryers and so on. Um, I forget the exact number, but uh, when Planet Money did their uh, project on how a T-shirt gets made. Um, they factored in the cost of the t-shirt, which was like 20 bucks, and they figured out how much of it was shipping cost, and it was something like three cents. Um, so we'll, we'll have that in the show notes. But like, it's crazy cheap to ship over ships, um, especially with containerization, which is a whole other topic we'll get on someday. Um, but, and and these, are, these are like the actual values that we see, like when you put numbers to having a canal in that place. Right. And so... Let us uh, go ahead and thank Ryan Haupt one more time. Um, you can thank find you Ryan Haupt. thank you Ryan Haupt for your excellent essay and uh, reading. Ryan came on live to read for us. Um, live Ryan, live. You guys Ryan. heard him live <laughs> to tape. Uh, you you can find uh, his <laughs> you can find his work uh, at com. It's the show he hosts and I edit and. Um, uh, I think he's at helped on Twitter and these will be found in the show notes as well. Uh, go check out Ryan's work because he's great. And in the meantime, uh, come on back next week. We will have more discussions of engineering wonders. Do you want to tease the next one? What's the next one? Nope, I don't want to. It's going to be a surprise. Ooh, surprise. All right. Well, wait and wait. It's Catherine Coker over there. Tim Dobbs over here. Bye. Bye.